Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Onyx. So by now you should probably know that Onyx has created the the number one mobile app for hunters by hunters to be able to have GPS mapping at your fingertips right on your smartphone or on your tablet, desktop, whatever that might be. So what I want to talk about is when you're going into the field, especially a lot of the areas that we go into in the Appalachian region and also in the Rocky Mountains of the West, you usually don't have cell phone coverage. So there's a feature within the Onyx Hunt app that you can go in and click on the off-grid feature. You click save new map and you can choose an area to be able to download and have that map available for use offline. You can choose the resolution detail from five miles wide that gives you high resolution, 10 miles wide that's a medium resolution, and even 150 miles wide for low resolution. That low res can be really great for you know not taking up a lot of data on your phone, but say you wanna just do have a whole unit that you were you know gonna be driving through and wanna just to have an idea. And so all those have their place and I go through and save all the areas ahead of time. And then once I'm done, say hunting that area for the year, I'll delete that save map off my phone so that it doesn't take up storage space but you still have all your waypoints and everything saved as well. So if you want to head over to onxmaps.com and use the coupon code EMW, that saves yourself 20% off of the Hunt app. So check that out. So Elk 101, Corey Jacobson has created the University of Elk Hunting, which is the most comprehensive elk hunting learning course available. And with everything that's you know going on right now, with um, well, all of us should be you know staying at home as much as possible and and avoiding other people with the the coronavirus. And this is a you know if you want to look at you know say a, a benefit or a positive in this whole thing is that we should have a little bit more time to be able to research things and and learn something and and. In my opinion, there's no better time to check out the University of Elk Hunting. So you can go through all these modules, learn everything from the planning phases all the way through what you're going to do when you have an elk down to get it out. So if you go over to elk101.com, click on the University of Elk Hunting, and enter the coupon code EASTMEETSWEST, that'll save you 20% off of the University of Elk Hunting. And lastly, Tethered. So Tethered has really taken the hunting industry by storm in the last couple of years with create just completely redesigning the, the whole saddle game. And saddle hunting was new to me last year and basically did it almost exclusively last year and really became a fan of it. And I was using the Mantis saddle from Tethered. And this year they just launched the Phantom saddle. And what's different about that is the the sizing for one so they were able to have a cut that fits waist sizes from 28 to 40 inches which is unheard of to be able to accommodate that uh big of a size difference and in addition to that they've added comfort channels 
So this provides all day comfort because you have a high, low, and medium setting to be able to put yourself on. You can adjust those with one hand. Um, the new Utila bridge, which in my opinion, just being able to adjust that bridge on the demand, depending on the way your tree is facing, anything else is a game changer. So that those are a couple of the, the main features that are on the Phantom Saddle. Main question I always get asked is, can you sit in that all day? Can you sit in a saddle? Is it comfortable? Well, I'm going to say it's definitely not any less comfortable than a traditional tree stand. I hunted, I think it was five or six days in a row, dark to dark sits during the rut last year in my Mantis saddle. And this Phantom even seems like it's it's going to be better just from messing around with it briefly. So I would uh, I would assume that uh, this one's going to be even better yet. But uh, nonetheless, like I said, for me, once you figure out how the saddle feels on you, um, comfort is definitely not an issue. So if you want to learn more about saddle hunting in general and also check out Tether's line of products, head over to tetherednation.com and all the information that you need is over there. Okay, so... There's um, obviously we're in a, a pretty crazy time right now with everything with COVID-19, the coronavirus, and just the the way that that our nation is and, and just schools being shut down, workplaces being shut down with a, you know, a, pand- a global pandemic that's been, you know, I guess flushing across the country for lack of better terms and yeah, it's it's something that that I believe in, you know, taking very seriously here, and and just really giving me another reason to love what I do and and being able to be outside when I can, and you know, spring scouting, shed hunting, doing all that stuff gets you away from it. I mean, it's a it's a pretty depressing thing to think about, but um, like I said, when it comes down to it for me just being able to get outside and be away from it all kind of let you not think about it as much and and uh be able to focus on those things so uh like i said i've used it you know a little bit of as an excuse to get out more and been picking up a bunch of sheds recently which is you know picking up probably say a little bit more than i normally do and and uh and I'd dedicate a little bit more time to shed hunting versus just regular scouting as I've been focusing on some areas that I've hunted last year now. So I've, I have a little bit of an understanding of the area or some, some little better than others. And now I'm really starting to break down these areas. And like I said, 2019 was my year to find some new spots, really trying to locate um, some different types of areas I wanted to hunt. Now I feel like I've kind of, you know, figured out the best of these areas and narrowing it down to a few. And it's been, it's been really fun to do that and, and kind of plan things out, picking setups, what I'm going to do in the fall. And, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm really pumped to that. I got some, picked up some good sheds and some things that I'm, I'm excited to see what these deer are going to turn into. But this upcoming weekend, so as of right now, it still looks like uh, Justin Mueller will be coming here. He'll be driving here to do some filming uh, for me and, um, 
you know, he filmed the Idaho elk hunt, the synergy film. If you haven't checked that out on YouTube, go and take a look at it. Justin is an extremely talented individual and, uh, we got a lot of exciting stuff. I mean, one of the, I guess, biggest requests that I've received is, you know, wanting more information on the mountain buck side of things, whitetail side of things, and also for video content. So that's what uh, Justin's here for. We're going to put together a full ser- scouting series for Onyx. Um, it's a mixture of using the app and the web map as well as in the field scouting for certain scenarios, going through setups. I mean, it's going to be pretty awesome. I'm, I'm pumped to do this. And then it's what's all part of a bigger project that um, I'll – you know, explain down the road a little bit, but, um, well, in addition, Justin's going to be filming me this fall once again, but this time hunting Pennsylvania whitetails and I've never had anybody film me on a whitetail hunt before. So this is going to be really interesting. Uh, and but I am, I'm pumped. Justin does such a great job at capturing the whole thing. So this, this will be really great in my opinion. And, um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens here. Follow along. Um, we'll be doing some updates on Instagram and, uh, going to take over prime Archery's Instagram page for a day and do a whole bunch of cool stuff there. So, um, also I wanted to go through the, the mountain buck Monday, which it's, I know the podcast comes out on Tuesday here, but it's a promotion that, you know, or a, a feature that I'm running uh, every Monday over on the social media channels. And this one comes from Double Patch Outdoors. So he was saying he started hunting this buck. It was all year long and it was hunting a location in a ground blind and had a feeling that the buck and some other deer were sitting somewhere else or bedded down somewhere else all day. So he checked the camera there and went to check it later and got frustrated after, you know, not seeing any deer all day. And then once he checked that camera, found out that he had been there the whole day. So this buck had been there, um, went out to Walmart that night, bought a ladder stand, went in at 830 at night, put it together, hung it in the woods. It was done by around 1030 p.m. Next morning, got in the stand they just built, saw him coming around seven and was able to put an arrow through him, had to, had to go into work that day. So went into work and came back to track it at lunchtime and ended up finding the, the buck and sending him off to the processor. And in addition, this was his first buck with a bow, which is really awesome. Such a, such a cool um, experience the story and and I think the the biggest takeaway from this is the being able that he adapted in the way that he did saw the buck was doing something instead of seeing oh you know I got my stand here you know went out and bought a ladder stand hauled that thing in at night got it hung up and then killed the buck in the morning my opinion that's he you know that's a very well deserved deer and um, yeah very very well deserved deer so. Again, thanks for uh, sharing that, and I want everybody else to keep sharing these uh, stories with me. I got a bunch that have been sent in that will be going over the next few weeks, so keep uh, keep those coming. That's for sure. Uh, lastly, before we jump into this episode here, 
I just want to remind everybody that the Montana applications for elk and deer coming up. Um, you can find all the information on that over on the Montana Fish and Wildlife website and be able to apply there. I won't be applying in Montana, but I will be buying points in July once those become available as well. So, all right, well, we'll jump into uh, this podcast here that I did with a buddy of mine, Brad Luttrell of Go Wild. Enjoy. Brad, what's going on, man? Oh, good at, at, at the first trade show of the year for me, my second trip out of town already. So I told my wife I'll see her in March. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it's the start of a, a busy season. Hopefully you got a whole bunch of hand sanitizer and everything Dude, else uh, or not getting sick. All right, so I know you've done some meetings already, and I, I got to know, do you think people hit it kind of hard last night, excited about the first trade show of the year? Yeah. Um, I, I think I met with a guy that might have been still been drunk. Yeah, I mean, I'll be I'll be honest. I uh, I hit it pretty hard myself. <laughs> You're like I'm still drunk right now. I'm not feeling I'm not feeling extremely great. Uh, so if I'm stuttering, I was talking about you. <laughs> You're the guy. You're like the dude with the bloodshot eyes, and the mustache. Yeah, man. I uh, it's all right. I, you know, I I congratulate the guy. I'm like you. Obviously, had a good time. He's a little yeah. bit late. You know, he kind of eased into the meeting. Uh, no, man. It's been uh, <laughs> he's in the- yeah. He's, as we were joking. It's like he he agreed to a deal, and I'm like I'm pretty sure he's not going to remember that he did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sign right here, yeah. real quick. Like, it's like uh, I don't know if you've ever done. You know, we always joke that like we used to get a cabin with our friends, and people would kind of go a little too hard that first night, mm-hmm. and then the second night was real tame. Like that's the pattern for any time you go anywhere with your friends, right? Yeah. And uh, I feel like <laughs> I feel I feel like first night of the first trade show of the year, some people might have had a little too much fun at ATA in Indianapolis here for 2020. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I got in last night um, at like 11. 10 30 11 o'clock at night so kind of late yeah. went uh with the one of the guys i was staying in the hotel room with and we had a couple beers in the hotel i'm like let's go out for a little bit you know just a little yeah, bit a little squirrely. You know, i said i got a ton of meetings you know tomorrow we'll just go out for a little bit and um yeah it's just so Shut good the whole city the down right <laughs> let's, you let's like put it that the tanked way. it yeah yeah went, went, that's went funny man now we drove up out. here this morning so we left at like 5 a.m so i showed up all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and and everybody else a little slow so yeah it's all right yeah, I'm I'm a little jealous of you there. I guess that's I guess maybe I'll grow up someday with it. No, man. I mean, I I've got <laughs> shot show uh still to come, so maybe I'm just saving it for that. You got to pace yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's 2 weeks away. I need to like really just be hydrating between now and then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Brad, uh before we get too far into this here, do you want to introduce yourself? You've been on the podcast before, but yeah. just give a little bit of an uh, introduction to yourself. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, well, the, the quick and dirty or a quick and dirty intro as I can is, you know, I grew up in the Appalachian mountain range. Um, you know, we have that in common. Um, I've got, uh, I like to whitetail, uh, whitetail hunt, turkey hunt, squirrel, um, dove hunt. And through all of that, I was an ad agency guy that saw an opportunity to really create a community to pull people together. So we founded the the go wild app as a social media platform and over time you know we've really seen uh, a new opportunity arise with that and that you know through our platform a lot of people were talking about gear so we've really started catering to helping people find the best gear you know we, we launched a new shopping product uh, this fall and it's been it's been really popular man so like we're still in that you know we're, we're a new company and we're we've we've 
you, I don't know, you might call it a pivot, you might call it an evolution, but you know, we almost don't even really know what to call it. It's like, I like to call it social commerce, but then nobody wants, nobody wants to spend time on a commerce platform, right? It's like yeah. my wife would yell at me if I was spending time on commerce platforms because I'm buying too much hunting stuff, but it's a great place to interact, engage, and learn with other, other hunters and anglers and hikers and whatever you like to do in the outdoors. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty quick and dirty yeah. way of explaining. Good, it there. That was that I'm was fresh. Yeah, your your elevator. If I wasn't fresh tomorrow, the Badlands Festival's tonight. So if I go to that and you ask me in the morning, maybe it wouldn't be so fresh. Yeah, that's yeah. Maybe that's what I should do is hit you up like you know first thing in the morning. There, uh, we'll do the same podcast over again tomorrow, and you can cross compare, and I'll decide which one goes out. <laughs> It'll be this one. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how how nice you are. To me. All right. <laughs> no, that's uh that's cool, and and you know I've had you on before to talk about go wild a little bit in the community and stuff there and i've you know been using the app now for uh, well damn near a year well, yeah. i've been a year yes, since i've been, met yeah. you here and everything and and getting to see that community i mean the one cool thing that i've noticed with it is the engagement aspect out of it and just being able to talk to talk to different people on there and it's it's been really it's been really cool i still need to fully dive deep into it and and now the new gear thing i haven't messed around with that much but that's um, pretty cool man yeah that's going to continue to evolve you know our, our goal our goal with that you know we're really focusing in on 2020 and how do we help you learn and and that maybe learn about gear maybe learn uh from from someone about how to do something so you know, with, with yeah, I know you're, you're this whole platform. We're, we're talking here because you had a pursuit to learn, right? Like yeah. the, the, you started this podcast because you wanted to learn how to do something. You're like, hey, other people might want that as well. Same thing with me and Go Wild. We built this because I was having a hard time connecting with deer hunters in my area. You were talking, you know, right before this started, we were talking about how different mountain buck hunting is, is than hunting whitetail in Texas or hunting it in Florida. And, you know, there's a specialty there. So we, we really wanted to have a way to find people near you. Have you played around with the near me feature much? I have not. Dude, no. it's cool. And we're finally... You know, we reached a whole lot of hunters last year. We're finally getting to the point to where that's really becoming useful. So you can actually pull, um, go into it, hit, tap trail mix, and hit deer hunting if you want to. And you can hit the little uh, radar up at the top, yep. and it will pull all the people talking about deer hunting over the last however long you want to scroll yeah. in your area. So you can actually, like for if uh, somebody's a new hunter or they want to learn, like this was really getting used during the rut, people are like, hey, in my area, they're not quite dogging the does yet. Like, what are you guys seeing? And and people are using this to communicate with locals because that's the biggest challenge, man. And, you know, it's one thing, a guy like you who's built up a nice platform on, you know, I'm going to use your Instagram account, like you get killer engagement. You get better engagement than most. Like Joe Schmo listening to this podcast is like me. You know, my Instagram is, is nowhere near what yours does, right? Like if I posted, hey, what are the bucks doing in my area? I, I would get literally no comments. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe two. Uh, but like for for with Go Wild, dude, it's, it's cool because you actually, people are shocked. It's like, what are you doing to, to create like – to, to do this and it's like well we're focusing on comments and engagement instead of likes and yeah you know, not, vanity it's not about vanity at all we don't i do not care about how many followers you are and in fact when you're on our profile and go wild we don't showcase that first well the yeah. first thing we do is that score which is a uh really a, a summary of how much time you spend outside so yep yeah that uh that's neat and i, I like that aspect because it don't matter if you say you know you do have the followers and, and things on there but it don't matter if you had 
thousand, or if you had ten, oh, man. I it, mean, it shows up. Dudes, if, if, the way at least I see is it shows up in the front of the same amount of people, the same depending on what they're looking for. Yeah. And this week I saw a long distance shooter sign up, and uh, he he did his first post of like a some thousand yard shot he hit. You had video, you could hear the ping, and and it was cool. And he got fifteen people to welcome him to the app. First post. No name way. another name, name another platform. I've been on Reddit for seven years, and I posted on there uh, this week, and I got like three people to comment on it. <laughs> you know, it's like Instagram. If you create an account on day one, it it's not going to have that kind of engagement. And a lot of people, even on the feedback we're getting, is like I'm getting better engagement on my new Go Wild account than on my accounts I've had for years. And that's the average guy. You know, I'm again. You, I think of like Sam Ayers. I think of um, you know some of these inf- these micro influencer people with you know five to thirty, forty, fifty thousand followers. You guys are getting killer engagement. So I'm not talking about it being a great platform for you, although I'm, I appreciate you're there. Yeah, your average listener, man, like they're gonna get real engagement with people that they wouldn't be able to get elsewhere, and we're really proud to be able to facilitate that. Yeah, and, and the one thing that I'm I'm learning and, and trying to to learn is like using it differently. It's not the same. As Instagram right. and Facebook, it's not meant to be that way. And right. That's the way you yeah. designed it. It's not meant for someone to go on there and necessarily promote things. It's, yeah, it, it's, it actually it's kind of funny because that it doesn't do well. No it's all promotion. I've had influencers complain about it because it's like, dude, this is I'm not getting any followers. I'm like, well, stop talking about yourself. Yeah, <laughs> start yeah. start talking about helping the community, comment on people's stuff, and engage or or ask questions. Dude, questions do really well on our platform. I I learned that I did some things on there where I was asking about different gear for. Or, uh, backpacks. Yeah, so yeah. I had some different questions, and it was interesting how many different, yeah. you know, comments and stuff. And that's the way that that I'm looking going forward to using it as as a a place to ask questions yeah. and see people get people's feedback on, or even like with, um, with with just about everything as, as far as just the asking the questions and talking about the gear. I like that. That's yeah. That's my place for yeah, that. Man. I feel like you know, yeah. there's a, there's a home for everything you know i i still use instagram i still use sure. facebook they're all Dude, me too i love all, i love my instagram and my linkedin account even, yeah you know but i use them differently i'm yeah. not gonna go posting on go wild about career recommendations or the yeah. side of what we do i like to sh- i do share that part of the story a little bit on my go out account but it's different man i cater it to each audience i think it once you realize you know people say hey this is cool it's instagram for the outdoors i'm like well, it's really not like I'm not we're, we, even down to the fact that we show your whole caption. We don't we don't, uh, you know, designers would say bifurcate, but basically meaning we don't summarize your caption. Instagram cuts it off. Right. You only get like one or two lines because it's about the images. It's about being pretty. It's about creating good visual content. It's great for that. We don't care if it's an ugly shot of a bloody deer like you because you're in context. You can yeah. talk to other deer hunters. They get it. Nobody's going to be like, dude, why didn't why didn't you watch that off first? Like we we understand we're operating at a level of already been on the same page. Yep. Yeah, I I understand that. That's cool. Um, so, I guess what uh, what I'd like to talk to you about a little bit here is Brad. I think it was I don't know three weeks ago. Now you sent me over yeah. uh, a study and said, "Hey, there's some interesting things that we did and that we researched and and found within the hunting industry." And I, I was I was intrigued by it and wanted you to come on and talk about it. So basically. Um, Basically, you were saying, you know, what is wrong with uh, the perception yeah. with the hunting industry, and, right. and and I'll let you explain a little bit better. Yeah, man. That. So, well, so what? There's so little data out there about hunters, right? Like that. That's that's what we started realizing is is you know even even the studies I've seen on hunters and anglers, they aren't looking at them holistically. You know, you 
you know, Jacob's here with me today and Jacob is a really fantastic fly fisherman and he also likes to hunt deer. But there, if you want to look at people and compare that behavior together, there aren't a lot of studies that have looked at that. Um, or if they are people, you know, they're doing it for their own marketing research and it's, it's driven to one question. So, you know, it, it was crazy to us because, you know, we've, we, we live in, um, in the business world, we see all these studies doing for fitness or running. Well, the hunting industry is three times the size of fitness and running combined, but we, we don't have a lot of the same data, uh, work that's being done. So we, we really out of curiosity wanted to dig into that. And then, you know, also acknowledging that like we have this entire lifestyle that's undocumented, you know, really wanted to learn more about something we love and, uh, what, what are the, you know, what are the behaviors or the, um, mischaracterizations that might exist with within hunters and and so with this study we had a a couple of hypotheses if you will you know the first was that the stereotypes they're just wrong there are a lot of stereotypes out there that you see creep up uh every every season that our guess was we're just wrong and i'll get into those in a second and the the second theory was that much of the industry's actions and, and are in, based on incorrect assumptions. So, you know, there, there were ver- therefore there was a negative impact happening because of some of the industry's actions. And I'll explain that more in a second. And this is something, you know, I don't think our study conclusively can tie this back to some like a specific marketing campaign mm-hmm. or to say that, you know, without a doubt, these results were because of ad campaign dollars. But it's a theory that we had and it seems like some of the early data from this study would, would confirm that. So the first, um, I'll talk about, you know, what the, the hypotheses that we were talking about, like the stereotypes are wrong. You know, we all have, you, you hear those generalizations about hunters. Uh, trophy hunting is one of the easiest ones you hear. Like people are like, Oh, you're a trophy hunter. You shot that deer. You didn't even eat it. Like I hear that one all the time and it kind of blows my mind. I see that yeah. on Instagram. It's like, you know, a, a troll comes through and they're like, you're not even going to eat that deer. And I'm like, who does, who shoots a whitetail and doesn't eat it? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, but those people are out there, right? They think that you shot it just for the antlers. Um, you know, we hear a lot of stuff about married hunters, um, leaving their spouse angry behind. Like, that is one of the most common memes you see hunting season's coming. I told my wife, I won't see her until January when I'm getting ready for turkey season or whatever it is. And, our theory was that that might not be accurate. And, and this is because, you know, we're seeing, again, there's a lot of behavior that within Go Wild that's just like there's some interesting correlations that don't seem to stack up with the stereotypes. Maybe we should dig into that. And then the other one uh, is that this image of this young hunter and hunting influencer and this image of success. Like is, you know, there's a lot of really great content creators that happen to be young. And if, if you were coming into hunting right now, you can have the image that everybody in your generation knows how to literally get out there and kill it, right? Like they're killing it. Yeah. And the uh, the question was, and this one was a little I'm less sure of like I, I hadn't seen anything of like the success per age um, and then also overlaid with married and single hunters so we really wanted to dig into that and the, you know the truth of these things one uh, percent of hunters hunt for trophy like that that wasn't us that was a responsive management study done a few years ago which fueled some of our curiosity in this but on these other stereotypes um, you know our study found that married hunters have more confidence in their ability to hunt and full spousal approval so that's of interest, right? Like if you are mar- a married hunter, you are you are more confident in your ability than than a, a single hunter, or or that even holds true on the the older hunters. And uh, we also found that you know I kind of joke that Papa out hunts the bros. 
But yeah. <laughs> the, if you're 65 or older, dude, you're, you're 15% more likely to be successful than somebody that's 25 or under. Yep. And that compounded with some of the other stuff we found at that age range is, is interesting. Um, so I, actually, I'll stop for a second. Like any questions on some of those stereotypes or, and you'll have to, I can, I can tell you the second hypothesis we had too, but I'm just curious if any, any kind of questions come to your mind out of that. Cause usually what happens is you start hearing this stuff and you say, I wonder if, right? Like yeah. that's a natural place for your mind to go. You're, you're a little foggy though from last night. So you might just be a- it's going to take me a second here. So just <laughs> give me, give me a, no, I, honestly, well, so one of the things that, uh, one of the things I was thinking about with it is, so how are you, what are these, how are you getting these statistics? Like, oh, that's where, a very good question. I didn't really frame that up. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so my, my co-founder, Zach, is a data scientist. Um, you know, for, for credibility's sake, real quick, he's got a decade of experience of, of doing data science work for Fortune 500s. Um, he gets mad at me when I tell people the brands. Uh, <laughs> I, won't, I won't drop his names uh, on a podcast, but it, I mean, it's, it's brands that are in your listeners' homes and that they use, right? Like yeah. He's done some big, cool work uh, for, for a lot of different brands. And he also has a, a master's degree from Northwestern uh, on, you know, uh, it's a, it's a statistical, I don't know. I don't know. I can't even remember the, the nerdy name for his degree. Sorry, Zach. Uh, <laughs> but no, he, he has a, he has a, uh, it's like an applied science and statistics or something like a master's in applied science and statistics or something like that. Um, uh, but, but dude knows how to construct surveys. I mean, he's, he's literally done this for 10 years for brands and has been paid to do a whole lot of research. So what we did was we constructed, uh, a survey and then determined, you know, Zach determined uh, the relevance factor that we needed. And we were shooting for 500. We ended up with, I believe it was 1,016 responses on this one. And I, I, and I don't have, uh, I could pull it up, but yeah, I think it's statistically relevant to within 3% was our projection. So, so we, we put this out for two months uh, to, within our platform, but we also didn't want to only have our platform because we realized our our audience might be a little bit different than some of your, your other social media platforms. So we, we put this out in some other channels through advertising. Uh, we, it was advertised pretty heavily through social media for a while. Um, so for two months, we had it open and had a, a thousand uh, and 16 or so people complete it. And the way we set it up was to look at, you know, <laughs> trying to not just ask people, uh, asking questions various ways, trying to not ask them, hey, are you a married hunter who has spousal support, but are you single or married? And then later asking them about this based on that response. So yeah. if you, 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 you're not married, right? No. I'm so not. you would have gotten like later in the survey, it would have catered to you as a single hunter. Yeah. And it would have asked you different questions, but also ones that kind of gave us similar Similar insights. Gotcha. So based okay. based upon the fact, like it wouldn't make sense to ask you about your spouse because you're not married. Yeah. So, but one one interesting thing that came out of that, for example, single hunters, we ask how often they think about hunting, and then how often they think about finding a future spouse. And by far, most single hunters think about hunting more than finding a future spouse. Yeah. So there's like funny stuff like that. Yeah, that I know. I read that and I was laughing pretty hard. Yeah, so dude. I was trying to like compare it to my own thoughts, yeah. like how how I am, and it was pretty interesting. Um, I'll give uh, my buddy. 
Kevin Orthman with Poma was kind of kidding me. He's like, you know, there's studies out there on how often people think about sex. And we (laughs) (laughs) we started looking at that, and I was like, this is a can of worms that I'm not even opening because there were numbers out there. Uh, Let's just say there's one thing that hunting probably doesn't compare to, and it's how often you think about sex. So, but uh, yeah. So does that kind of answer the some of the framework? Yeah, that's 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 what I was looking for. Just just trying to get in my own head. Yeah, past the fog and past you know the the dead brain material that I got in there right yeah. now to <laughs> and Zach used to, to construct some of those questions and those theories. You know, we, we use some of the, our data on, uh, to look at like what, you know, for weapons, you know, looking at what we should consider. Cause we can see, you know, people log trophies on go out. So we, we have some data on that. We use yeah. some of our data to inform the survey questions and, uh, give some anecdotal insights in, into that stuff too. But, yeah. um, yeah, so that's, that essentially laid it out. Any questions on that first hypothesis of the stereotypes? Nope. I'm good. Let's, let's dive right. into the second one. All right. So, uh, the second one, and this is maybe a little controversial. Uh, some people might, might disagree with even the hypothesis itself, but that, in some ways, the hunting industry is hanging itself. And Bo, I know you've talked to like you've. I think even on my podcast, I might talked about my passion for R three and really trying to get people into into hunting. And yeah, uh, that's what you're doing with your content. Well, you know, recently some. I back up a little bit. Recently, some research came out talking about how uh, they found a correlation between when advertising spending goes up in the United States, happiness goes down. And if you think about that, uh, the. The, and, and I'm not saying I necessarily buy into this research. There were, I had some questions, and I don't know that correlation is exactly causation. But if you think about that, what advertising is doing is, is it's creating the need for something, right? You feel like you need this. And so uh, it goes beyond a want, and it, it's like you become passionate about a brand. You come, become passionate about uh, you know a product, and it feels like something that needs to be in your, in your – you, know, you have to make that purchase. That's what advertising is. I did advertising uh, – I was in agencies for seven years as yeah. a copywriter and my job was always to sell the product and the best way to do that is yeah i can tell you about all the the reasons or the the product features but the most compelling marketing appeals to your emotions right so so there's you know i can't speak to that other study but that with that in mind you know i kind of want to dive into why our our philosophy around some of the the hunting industry's marketing might have some negative impacts on hunting overall so you know uh it is my personal opinion that a lot of these brands have created a narrative or the industry overall, we won't pick on like a specific brand, but they've created a narrative of, you know, really needing expensive gear to hunt and, and, you know, makes sense. They're selling expensive gear. Right. And, and our study proves though, that there is a negative association with being able to hunt because I can't afford it. And, and really, man, I mean, you're, you're a great testament to this. You don't need a lot of money. I mean, yeah, great gear can help you get better yep. if you get, commit to it. But it's like if I got into photography tomorrow, I'm not going to go out and buy ten grand worth of gear, right? Yeah. Like I can still take great pictures of what's what's in my wheel or what's available to me right now. It's more about learning the tactics to use my camera phone, even right. So in the same way with hunting, if you went out to Walmart right now and dropped five hundred dollars in gear, doesn't mean you can't shoot a deer or even a, a good deer, yeah. you know, you can do those things. But when we have this perception being built up that in order to do this, you have to have this thing, it kind of goes back to that first study I was talking about. Like there, there could be, and again, I don't, we didn't exactly tie this down, so I'm not going to say it for sure, but there could be some correlations to how the industry, you know, we're at a trade show right now. Everybody's rolling out the biggest and baddest product and they want you to buy that product, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah so, yeah. so what are the, what are the, like the, the correlation between that? And so overall, 
uh, younger and especially young single hunters are intimidated uh, by their lack of knowledge. And all hunters are less likely to hunt because, because of budget constraints. Yeah. So think about that. Like literally they feel that their lack of budget cannot allow them to hunt. Like they feel like they can't afford it. So like for me, yeah, I, I quote the study, uh, you know, hunters struggle to know not only where to hunt, but they believe they can't afford it. And when they do hunt, they see less success. So it's almost like affirmation of the fact that they don't have the gear to do it. You know, and so I, if you wouldn't mind, I'm going to no, give please. a couple of my comments. Yeah. On that. So I, uh, I, I'm very guilty of this at times, like with, and I don't mean to be, but like, as far as I, I, I like gear, I'm a yeah. gear junkie with it. And I talk about it, and I don't ever. I'm never going to be a person that tells you that you need to wear X clothing to be able to successful. You need to use this bow. You need to use this sight. You need to use right. That, that doesn't happen. I I do. That's one thing I try to stay, you know, cognizant of is making sure that like you don't need this stuff. Does it help right. you? Does it, could it make you more comfortable? Could it you know somehow give you another edge? Yes, it hundred yeah. percent can. But that should never be a barrier, right? Which it is because. Yeah, the dude. way that I, 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 that part took me a little bit to think about um, when I was reading that study, and it kind of made me self-reflect a little bit. Yeah, and trying with that's the, the exactly what that we I'm, want, man. That like, I'm putting across, and and again, you know, my my main thing is the educational piece and showing people these opportunities, but gear ties a lot into it, and I just got to make sure when I, I'm doing it. And again, this is just my self-reflection is that I'm not ever saying, okay, you need to go out and drop. $2,500 right. on sick gear right now, or you'll never kill a white tail. Right. Like, that's not what I'm saying. Am I saying that it would be better for, like, that it could help you with all these things? And yeah, it definitely can. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, but totally. that all finds in your, hey, being in comfortable your and being able to stay outside yeah. longer definitely helps you kill more animals, right? Yes. So but, there's, there's, but uh, you could also go out and kill something in two hours in cotton bibs from Walmart. Oh, hell yeah. I've killed a lot of deer in cotton bibs. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you can you can do it and and just yeah you can do it and just about yeah. anything. When I was younger, you know, even until I was hell till I was out of college, yeah, you know, I had these army BDU pants from the surplus store. I probably paid six dollars for that I wore yeah. and everything. I'd walk through wet grass in the morning, soaking wet, never dried because it's yeah. as heavy as cotton as you can get, you know, and and you can get by with it. And I've I, heard I've heard Renella talk about they used to go to Goodwill and buy wool sweaters, like old Papal sweaters, yeah, and uh, they would they buy them and uh, you know layer up on the old wool, like not camouflage at all, probably like plaid checkered. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's it's it is uh, you know like I said something I th- think about, and I am you know I would consider myself somewhat of a a gear junkie, but. Um, at the same time, nothing replaces learning and time in the field and being able to, you know, that, that whole side of it. Yeah, and, and you know, I don't want to damn any brand that has an expensive product because there are plenty of good brands out there that are trying to educate and trying to uh, create content. And, and you know, I don't, I don't, no matter who what your influencer or who you're working with, like, uh, I think there's examples of this. Um, one we work with, that comes to mind is first light, you know, uh, premium gear that, but they create a lot of educational content on trying to get outside. You know, the best thing for first light for Sitka, for whoever we're talking about, man, what is the best thing for it to get more people outside? Because what's going to happen is you might buy those cotton bibs to get into it. And it's like, I really like doing this and I'd like to be able to stay outside longer and, and, uh, to be able to be more comfortable, right? So now that first light, that sick upgrade, those things start to make more sense. I'll give you another yeah. example. You, you, you and I 
Uh, we're both buddies with the Garmin guys. You were over in their booth right before you came over here, I think. Yep. Um, you know, those guys, uh, they got dog collars here. Like, there's a lot of dog collars here. I don't think anybody standing there would tell somebody not to get into to bird hunting with a dog or whatever you're hunting, bears, you know, whatever. None of those guys would stand there and tell you not to do it because you can't get a, you know, however much that dog collar is. Yeah. But if you get into it and, you know, hunting dogs are an investment and, you know, it's probably a good thing to do once you know you're into it. So that's the mentality we really are advocating for this. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't take a lot a stance on, um, a lot of things. I don't, I don't get involved in debating how you should hunt or what type of hunting is ethical. If it's legal, go wild has traditionally, you know, been right there with like a sportsman's Alliance and supporting the right to do so. Um, however, in the marketing side, I really hope you know, some of this study, we've, we've had some traction on this. We've, we've had a lot of brands picking this up. We've shared it with a lot of our brands and I've gotten to talk to a lot of people like yourself about it. And my hope is people will think about it, whether it's in their marketing or like you just said, when you're talking to somebody else about it, like, Hey, you know what? You don't have to, to swing this. Like if it, if it helps you get outside, you know, go pick up this brand and see if you like doing this first before you make the financial commitment. Because right now, um, the study budget constraints are one of the top barriers for, for people on why they get outside. And, and that should be concerning to everybody because it, you know, if, if it's too expensive to get into, you know, it's like, um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to get into, uh, racing Italian sports cars on the weekend. I'm, I mean, it's like, yeah, I don't want to brand it. And that's an extreme example, yeah. but like, you know, there's, there's things that if it feels expensive and inaccessible, you're not going to do it. Right. So I think we should be making hunting feel as accessible as possible. And it's tough. You know, again, I go back to where we are right now. There's a whole bunch of brands dropping press releases and talking about content or talking about their new products. And that makes sense. It's a trade show, not a consumer show. But, um, you know, I hope over time we'll see more efforts. Uh, Alps is one brand that's done a great job of trying to get people outside and, you know, whatever it takes, get outside yeah. and go hunting. And then they, they know over time that's going to sell more bags, more chairs, more more blinds, right? So yeah. Oh, yeah. that's what we hope for with this study. I mean, I guess... Go ahead. I'm not sorry. I didn't mean no. To you're fine. Interrupt, but like so that that all that does is by them these brands and stuff. If they change a little bit to do these type of things, then that's helping them in the long run. Like you're saying, yeah. they'll sell more stuff down right. the road. It's absolutely not, man. It's not a direct like hard sell. It's a, more of a soft. Well, dude, and it's sell no. that's that's in, involved in it. And I, I think uh, I think there is a lot of companies that do a very good job at it. And yeah. and, and I'm not condemning the whole hunting industry. Yeah, I hope that's clear. You know, I, I do think there's there's brands here that should be doing better though. Yeah, there's brands here that should be doing better. I'll yep. say that confidently. Uh, you know the the uh, the numbers around hunting aren't hidden. You know, we had a five million per. Uh, or there were five million fewer people hunting in 2016 and 2011. There's some rumors that you know last couple of years have been up, and I think a lot of that's coming from content that guys like you are creating. I think it's guys like Jeremiah Dowdy who are talking about food, Hank Forrester down in Georgia who's talking about food. I think a lot of that's converting a new type of hunter, and and that's what we should support. You know, and anything that gets people outside is good. That's good for the future of the industry. It's good for the future of the lifestyle. We got to keep enough voters out there to make sure we're fighting for for this the, the legislation. Yeah. You know, we want to keep our rights to hunt you know well I, when i was out in idaho so i went to the meat processor when i took my bowl in there and i ran to this guy that was from california that was there so i just i like just chatting with random people and i'm sitting there talking to him and he's like he, i don't know he, you know he didn't have the perception as a hunter like you just kind of yeah. get this idea of what a hunter looks like yeah. and he didn't it didn't fit it so i was just kind of curious and i was talking to he him he didn't have like, a mustache actually he did 
So that was uh, that was funny. He did because we, we commented yeah. on each other's mustaches, yeah. which is what guys yeah. apparently do. Is yeah. kind of you can't have a mustache and not expect compliments on it or comments yeah. on it. Yeah, I mean, and it's like ninety eight percent males that give you those compliments. Yeah, right. It's always it's a little uh, bromance going. Yeah, on. a little bromance. Yeah. So, anyways, this guy, I was I was talking to him, and he's like, "Yeah, I just started getting it because I just got into hunting like three years ago, and he's doing these elk hunts." I'm like, "No way!" So I'm interested. I'm like, "Why?" So how'd you get into it? And Joe Rogan was what he's from. Yeah, this guy's man. from California, and was driving up yeah. there. And he's like, "Man, I just, you know, I well, I like you know eating healthy and all this stuff, and was in it from that side of it." And I'm like, "That's you know, that's fucking cool, awesome. Man. Be able this to dude. to see that that." So I was just so curious. Yeah, to, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Joe Joe was. I mean, I don't I don't know him personally. I mean, but like you look at influencers and who's gotten people outside he's got to be one of the most influential people over the last decade in terms of getting people out to hunt yeah done a lot of a lot of really great things i'm gonna hit some real quick i got a meeting coming up uh and i'm sure you got some more too uh i wanted to they got a couple fun things um okay. uh well fun and interesting uh land access is something we hear so much about and it is not the the barrier that it gets made out to be um it's not number one for either single or married hunters and it wasn't even top three for married hunters. Now, you know, that doesn't mean land access isn't important. I, I use mapping, uh, software, Google maps, all the tools that anybody else, uh, I know you work with on X guys. Um, the, there are tools out there that, that, you know, I think are really doing a lot to help people hunt. And, and if you're a hunter, you can use those. And they're, we just found, that the land access question is not one of the things that's most likely to keep people away. Again, you know, going back to budget, going back to work, work is a huge one. Family commitments are a huge one. So really, when you look at family commitments and work, what people really need are time. So app, mapping apps like Onyx help you find it and be more efficient, right? Yep. Uh, my, my buddy Buck Robinson owns a startup that is, uh, it's kind of like the Airbnb for hunting. And, and, and their client, I'll disclose their client of uh, mine. Um, and, uh, but, but they're doing a lot of really cool work to get people in the, the uh, hunting spot that's 30 minutes from their house. So sometimes, man, uh, if you, you got kids and you're all softball and soccer and all this stuff, right? Like being able to jump out and go to a, a deer blind for, you know, uh, just 30 minutes, <laughs> uh, just for 30 minutes, uh, it, it is nice, right? Like even if it's 30 minutes, sometimes like in a busy lifestyle, that's important. So we found that of interest. Um, I mentioned it, uh, or in the survey, we found that it seems most spouses are most likely to hunt together pre kids. And then when their kids reach adult age, they actually come back and will hunt together again. So I don't, I don't know exactly, you know, this could be concerning because it could mean that we're not reaching our next generation. You're, you're kind of stopping to hunt when your kids, we found that, uh, in another survey, people are typically having kids at age 26 right now. And again, going back to some of those, the, the point where it seems like people stop hunting with their spouses around that same age. So people have kids, they stop going with their spouse, they're going less themselves. And that could mean, and I didn't, I wish we had constructed the survey to be able to figure out the people with kids, if this is true, it could mean they're not taking them as well. So that should be concerning. Like we should all be trying to bring up that next generation and rear, you know, if you're passionate about hunting, bringing your kids up into that. I wish we, you know, again, our study didn't dive into this exact info, but overlaying that, it seems like there's a gap at that child rearing age. So, um, the single hunters I mentioned, think about, uh, hunting more than a spouse. And then, um, 
Actually, that's the last of my notes. So th- <laughs> those are the big things. Uh, the survey is 27 pages long. I mean, if anybody is interested in it, have them hit me up on Go Wild. You know, you can. Uh, I'll, I'll we we have discount. It's a hundred bucks for brands. Um, you know, if you're a Poma member, you get a discount. Small businesses get a discount. If you're a media member, you can get it for free. So anybody that's got a podcast or a blog or a news website, hit me up. We'll, we'll give it to you for free. Um, but yeah, man. I mean, it's uh, I'll, we're gonna keep doing this. We're gonna do one on fishing, I think next. Maybe yeah. firearms. We haven't decided yet, but I want to keep. I want to keep seeing what else is. Uh, you know, we can't leave it to all these big data companies in Silicon Valley to to learn about our audience and to help us uh, do do some of the diagramming and understanding of what people actually want. And we can't rely on our own intuition either, because I only know what I know. You know, and, and you and I live in an echo chamber, dude. We're, I'm we're, just gonna say that. <laughs> yeah, we're we're walking around here, and uh, people here have nicer equipment than most of the eleven and a half million hunters in the country. And if we went around here walking and asking these questions today, that's not a fair representation of the hunting in, uh, overall. Yeah. So, uh, what question? You got any questions on on any of the stuff I just spouted out over the last thirty minutes here? <laughs> um, you're like I didn't actually listen to any of it. I'm, I'm no. Still. <laughs> no, no, no. I no, I, I, I don't really have any um, questions questions from it more than what we you know talked about. I just thought it was really interesting, and the the data made me think more than anything. Yeah, you know, made me think about yeah. it, and and you kind of answered you know where where this data came from and how it was constructed. So, yeah, I think um, I think there's a there's a lot of good value in that. Like I said, I I self reflected from it, and yeah. I can see where there's areas that yeah you know, sometimes I it, can put out conflicting information there it's not meant hey, to be that way but you know that's too, the way man. i'm sure i've done it too and you know i i hope people you know i'm not trying to be pretentious and tell people what to do and uh I, but hunting, normally what you do though i know it's i, I it's, i'm not trying trolling to, I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not trying to it's just how i am but the <laughs> the uh you know the, our goals are to really you know try to get more people outside that's that's what we want to do so if um that means taking a kind of a you know being bullish on this and saying hey look you know i know it's not comfortable but this is these are things that you know as someone new to the industry uh we we think could be better and here's data to support that then i'm okay with that and you know what five years from now we do another survey and and things have shifted that'd be great if it's in the same boat um you know i don't know we'll keep we'll continue to work at it but to me this is important um you know i i did you see my article or my podcast i released uh this week no, I did not. I, didn't, I haven't listened to any uh, any podcast in a few weeks. No, that's fine, man. I'm not. I'm not like trying to publicly shame you for not listening to my podcast. But I, I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I've been pushing an article. It was a magazine, and this this will be my parting thought for why I care about this stuff. Um, it was a magazine in the South that released a, a story called "Why I Don't Hunt Anymore," and through that story, they this guy who hadn't hunted in 20 years outlined all of these bloodthirsty paramilitary uh, maniacs is essentially how he framed it up who celebrate i believe he said the burlesque of masculinity i mean it was like so contrived and really i mean the writing was beautiful right it's like yeah. really well written but what he was saying really irritated me and the more i thought about that uh I, I was like you know what this is not i don't this isn't the hunting i know and you know it, to me it was a very much a fringe view of of hunting and you know, with politics, religion, or anything, the people on the fringe, you know, there, there's people in hunting in, the, in this building right now that you and I would be like, that is not how I want people to perceive hunting, right? And and if you're on the outside, those outliers are the ones, those are the fringe people are the ones that people see and resonate with. So I wanted to give a, a, a 
showpiece of, of how I see hunting and from the people I talk to, like, like you, but also, man, our members and like the everyday Joes who do hunt in Walmart cotton bibs and who, you know, they got a modest, uh, you know, whatever it is gun and they go out and that's, that's the only thing that they got. They got a few hundred bucks into this gun and a few hundred bucks in their camo and that's how they hunt. I was like, I want people to know more about that. And the guys that are feeding their family and donating their food. And you now guys like Jeremiah daddy who are teaching people. So I did an article about this and, uh, you know, submitted it. They didn't, res- they didn't release it, but, um, so I, we ended up deciding to do it on restless native and so many people found out about the original article. They went back and read it and uh, they started sending them my podcast, and the, I released it on Medium too, the writing platform. And and the magazine um, realized that they had made a mistake, and they contacted me yesterday, and they said, "You know what? We we've been getting flooded with uh, people calling in to be, that are mad, not that are not just supporting what you said, but they're mad about what we said, yeah. and we realized we made a mistake." And they are now going to run my rebuttal, which I'm not bragging. I don't say this to brag on myself. I say this to say, like, don't think that people's mindsets can't change. Yeah. Uh, they, this this original piece went through an editorial process. It's a 3,000-word piece that ran in a very well-read magazine. And now, you know, they're going to they're gonna run the rebuttal so that they can show people, like, hey, here's another perspective of what hunting might be. Yeah. And, I again, I'm not bragging on myself for that. I'm like, I'm proud that we finally got to the point we are where it's going to run. But I say that because your voice matters. You can give a different perspective if that's your goal. So I hope through Go Wild, through our content and our, our data science work that we can, we can give a new perspective. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's awesome. And, and one last thing I wanted to say um, back to the point where we're talking about the, the gear standpoint versus, mm-hmm. so Dan Infall, I don't know if you know who he is at all. I don't know. He's a, he's a whitetail hunter. Um, I think uh, I think I do know from Wisconsin, I believe, and he's very respected um, guy, and and he puts out a lot of good information. He's big on the mobile hunting, and and he's created his own lightweight sticks and all the stuff that he sells, and blah blah I think blah. I know what you're talking about, yeah. But he made this big long post about. It. He's like, I hear people being like, oh, I can't get into this because I can't afford because the tree stands and or saddles or sticks and stuff that are lightweight are, are extremely expensive. And yeah. he's like. He's like, when I got into it for the first 10 years, I had a 30-pound thing. Yeah, I, now my stuff weighs 10 pounds. He's, but I did it with this heavy-ass yeah. you know, steel stand yeah, and, and do it. And he goes, you don't need all that. It's You get to that point over time yep. when it becomes a, a priority of some sorts. But that was just a, another kind of case study Absolutely, that went to man. that. And I thought his him bringing out and talking about that, I think more people... Could, That's awesome. Could help with that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, man. I, and, you know, I think if people think of their individual message collectively, we'll change a culture. Yeah. So, but uh, that, that's super cool, though, about the, the magazine article. Yeah. They're, they're letting you, you know, come yeah, in they're and gonna, give you a rebuttal to, to see both sides of it there. That's 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 really awesome. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm proud that they're going to share it. So that'll, that'll be, it'll be good to, you know, I, there's just so many celebrations of that other article on Twitter. I, I don't know that much on Twitter has made me physically ill, but reading people saying like, oh, my God, this is exactly why I don't hunt anymore. Or there were a couple of those who are people I probably, like they probably had never really hunted. You know, they went out yeah. with a couple people and maybe they went out with some yahoos who, who were the wrong kind of crowd too. Uh, but then there were some people who were, you know, 
you know, this is exactly um, why I can't stand hunters or, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh my God, like he's talking about the stickers on a car. You know, it's like, yeah. you, that's, that's such, that's not a conversation. That's not something you actually observed. I mean, that'd be like me trying to write politics about all the bumper stickers I saw on the way here from Louisville, you know, and it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So dude, thanks for this. This yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, man. And uh, yeah, we'll have to chat again soon. I love my favorite part of this has been all the people that have stopped to see if we're famous and decided we weren't, and they left. Yeah, they come and they look because we're yeah. sitting out in the hallway here, and we act like you know we're yeah. big shots. Yeah, if we were big shots, we'd have a nice room. That's right. Um, if we wouldn't be sitting here out where people yeah. are walking through. Yeah, <laughs> I should have set a sign up that's like autographs uh, at like one thirty and seeing if anybody formed a line while we were doing the podcast. You, you think? I should, yeah, maybe we should do That'd that. Be we so funny. Up, like, like if you didn't tell people who we were, we just put our faces up and it said like autographs at here <laughs> between one and two o'clock. Oh, I want to do that man. for like shot show. I, I, I got I got more shows. I'm gonna do this. See if it works. <laughs> All right, man. All right, dude. Thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, we hand. You can't see it, guys, but we hand shook. Yeah, we we did. We hand. <laughs> All right, right thanks, Brad. Man. See ya. See ya. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.